like to thank you for joining us today. It's always humbling when you look out in a parking lot and you think of people who pass how many churches, how many good churches, to come and be a part of this family today. And we appreciate that. Has God ever spoken to you through something that you did not think would speak to you? (laughs) I read something and it hit me. It was a transcript of a commencement address given by a Buddhist. And God hit me with it. And God said, It's amazing sometimes that people who may not declare my name will speak my truth to your heart if you listen. I'm not here to convert us all to Buddhism. What I'm here to say is that during a commencement address that Steve Jobs, who passed away in 2011, gave, he stood up before a group of people, and he gave some advice, and it may sound hard-hitting to some people, but here was one of the things that he had said. He said, there will be times when life feels like it hits you in the side of the head with a brick. Do not lose faith. He said... When you wake up in the morning, you need to think, if what I'm about to do today is not something that I want to do, maybe today is the day I should change that. Hit me. The last thing that he said was this, that death is likely the single best invention of life because it's life's change agent. It clears out the old to make way for the new. And as I listened to that, I began to think about that word finite. Began to think that we can do this walk in a way that just feels like going through motions. I'm going to be transparent in a moment with a small breakdown that I had this week. Because I feel like we should be transparent that way. And so I ask a question, who are you? Not in a way of stand up and introduce yourself, because everyone hates that. But deep down, who are you? In light of being a believer in Jesus Christ, who are you? It's a question that's been asked through the ages. Greek philosophers asked this question. The band The Who asked this question. It's always been something that people have been asking. As a young child, the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, it meant little to me other than know the order that it goes in so you can get the sticker for Bible memorization. As I've gotten older, I have learned that 1 and 2 Corinthians, a beautiful glimpse into their church, and truthfully, a great glimpse into any church. Paul spends a year and a half in this place. Paul will send letters to encourage. Paul will send letters to deal with disturbances that have gone on in the church. It's not just for then, it's for now. And I ask again, before I go any farther, who are you? In light of who we are in our heart, 
when we're away from this place, the words that come from our mouth, the actions that come from this heart. Who are we? When I was in school, they taught some pretty crazy things. One of them was letter writing. And as a young kid, paper at 45 degrees, they'd put that big pencil in your hand and it would start out with dear whomever. Whoever you were writing that to, they would know. So you'd know right away, because if it said, Dear Chris Miller, but I would have said Sister Miller, because I was at MHCA, I'm respectful. But if it said that, you'd know, this is to me. Paul does something here, though. He turns it on its head right away. He doesn't start out by saying who it was to. He begins by declaring who he is. I say that because there is an identity crisis that is going on in the body of Christ. There's this way that we forget who we are. And it's time that we stand in the confidence of who he made us to begin to declare and speak who we are. And so Paul does this. He says, I'm Paul. I am called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. This walk that I claim to have is a letter to everyone around me. Wherever I go, it's a letter to whomever, and they're reading it whether I want them to or not, and they're defining who I am based on who I say he is and how I walk in that. He says, I am called, I'm an apostle through the will of God. We've said it before in church, and it bears repeating, this is not a drill. What we are doing, this is not a drill, it's for real. What if the last month, the things that I said, the way that I behaved, was used to define who I am. How many of us would be comfortable with that? Not me. I am who God says I am. If you can repeat nothing else when you're down, I am who God says that I am. Those will be words that will get you through. What I'm figuring out in the world and let me say in the church world sometimes, is that talk is cheap. Just being real. Show me that next one. I mean, this, oh, it takes my breath away. <laughs> Less you do not have to tell me how powerful a Dodge Hellcat Challenger is. You simply need to flip the switch and let it run. And I think for some of us, we talk about powerful things so much, but it's time to flip the switch and just let it run a little. It's time maybe to get out of our seat and let it run a little. Take a walk a little. The God that we say you can do anything, I think that it's time just to listen to the things that he has done and to let other people hear how powerful he is by the things that he is doing. I think of a cycle. I think of the fact that we come here in the two hours that we may be here versus the 166 other hours in the week that you have this cycle. And your cycle, it may feel like your church time's just that top arrow there at 11 o'clock. But God owns all the arrows, or he should. Don't let it just be that I check this off of my box and I get to God's house and then I do whatever I feel like doing outside. And you say that sounds harsh, but think about that. Are we prioritizing Jesus Christ the same way that we prioritize here? Do you truly believe? Because the devil will try to tell you this is true. That your God story began and ended the moment that you gave your heart to Jesus Christ. He'll make you believe that. Oh, you want to be a Christian? Okay, be a Christian. 
but don't do anything. You want to be a Christian? Cool, but just keep it in church. That's what the enemy is going to tell you. That's how he's going to get into your head. What began at an altar was not something that I would say was accomplished in my life. It's an accomplishment that's playing out every single day. It started with declaring Jesus Christ as Lord, and it didn't end there. It goes every day, and it's going to come at you like a curveball sometimes, and it's going to come in ways you may not expect, but declare it. I am not done. This is an accomplishment. It is still going. He is not done with me. It may not be pretty to those around me, but he is not done. I am called. You may have to start every morning with those words. You may have to say it a hundred times through the day, and you may have to remind yourself at night, I am called. That is a statement of truth. It is not a statement of circumstance. It's a statement of truth. And this walk will prove the calling. As you go through it, there will be times that you may not know what's going on, but Jesus will not leave you out in the cold. This is truth. I tell people all the time, either I'm called or I'm crazy. Either we're called or we're crazy. Paul echoes that in the 15th chapter. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, then we are of all men most miserable. The joy that accompanies this walk tells me that it's not limited to this old earth right here. The joy that finds me in a way that human words cannot tells me that I'm not crazy. And it is time to walk in that joy around other people. It's time to begin defining who I am according to the I am, who he is. When I say that I'm called, understand there's going to be days that you shout it. You just know it. You scream it out. There's going to be days when you say it. I'm called. Maybe through gritted teeth. There are times that I have said that looking in the mirror at a hospital as I splash in water on my face. Knowing that I'm about to walk into a dark situation. Saying I am called. I don't have the answer. I'm called. There are times leaving hospitals that I've sat in that Jeep and I've cried. Because I feel like in some way, how can a man even begin to represent the love of Jesus Christ? And you sit there and cry. And you think, God, do things that my feeble words can't. Let them have sensed your presence in me trying to be sincere. That word called, do you know what it means? It means to be invited, like to a banquet. It means to be divinely selected and appointed. There's a realization of calling. It's like when you have that invitation in your hand. See, going to hospitals, I have an ID, and that ID is like an all-access pass. You go into a situation and people are like, who are you? Are you family? And you just hold up the badge. Like, okay, pastor, go ahead, reverend. And I'm like, please don't call me that. But it's an all-access pass. God gave me a handwritten invitation to a marriage supper of a lamb. 
but it serves as an all-access pass here. And there are places that the devil may get in your face and say, you can't come in here. Oh, this door's marked victory. You can't come in here. You say, but I've got the invitation. Oh, this door's marked hope. You can't come in here. Oh, but I can. My father says that I have all access. It is time to begin holding that out. Waking up and showing the devil, oh, you can bark all you want, but I've got the pass. I've got the invitation, and I'm going where God says that I can go. I have a friend who uh, every so often will post online that they are beginning a journey of health. And two days later, they will post the largest bladder buster size iced coffee you can imagine. And you know what it said to me? doesn't matter what you put on social media as much as how you walk. It really doesn't. I say that because one of the ways that the devil will try to distract is that he will try to make us forget. And maybe today someone just needs to be reminded. Maybe you need to hear the word of God as I remind you what he said. To everyone who's victorious, I will give some of the manna that's been hidden away from heaven, in heaven. And I will give to each one a white stone. And on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. So the darkness that you felt that you thought other people would have no idea, there is going to be a new name that has been formed, has been birthed out of those dark times. And when you hear it, you're going to know that my God saw me through everything. It says in his word that his arms with strength will protect you. He makes your ways perfect. God decided in advance to adopt you into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. It's what he wanted to do, it says, and it gave him pleasure. Ephesians 1, do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have summoned you. You are mine. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Paul says that he's an apostle, not an apostle like today. There are professional ministers who write right on their card, apostle. It'd be like Apostle Bob Meredith. And nothing is more uncomfortable when someone hands you a business card that says I'm Apostle. And part of me wants to be like, bro, do you even Apostle? Because that's not how this works at all. In the Greek, an Apostle is a delegate, an ambassador of the gospel, officially a commissioner. And that goes with one who walks in a manner that shows miraculous power. Oh, when I read this, I think of this. One thing about an ambassador, ambassadors don't have the home field advantage. Maybe uncomfortable to be an ambassador. Another thing, ambassadors will go to places that other people do not. And the third thing is that ambassadors can be in places that feel unsafe. You are safe. Who do you represent? Who do you represent? The other thing it says commissioned, a commissioner. You know what I think of? I think of Commissioner Gordon from Batman. Yeah, because I need to grow up maybe. But just when it looked like evil was going to win, you know what would happen? The commissioner would go up on the roof and he'd switch on the bat light. 
That's what he'd do. And when he switched on the bat light, do you know what happened? The hero would show up. Here's what's weird. The commissioner didn't show off the bat light all the time. Like, hey, guys, want to see the bat light? He didn't misuse it. He wasn't powerful on his own, but he understood that he had access to the hero when he flipped on the switch. It's time to flip the switch. Because if we're supposed to be representing Jesus Christ with miraculous power, that says to me the power of the Holy Spirit that's not just meant to be dormant, but an active, a signs and wonders kind of power, a kind of thing where you declare things, where you walk in victories. The whole commissioner thing, it wasn't that he was so respected. It's who he had access to. Who do you have access to? Is this Jesus Christ that we say can do anything? Is that who we have access to? Have we turned it more into a hobby at times than we have a declaration? You may be sitting there when I talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're like, yeah, I'd like to get to that chapter, but right now my chapter reads, I feel alone. I feel alone in my marriage. I feel alone in my family. I feel alone in my church. Remember I said Paul would write them when there were disturbances. The devil loves to capitalize on a disturbance. He did it then, and he'll do it now. Oh, man. Want to know a way that he does it? I'll set it up like this. If you have a teenager or anywhere near that and you've ever heard of Fortnite, you have probably spent money knowingly or unknowingly on the game Fortnite. Fortnite is an online battle. Notice I said online. Online is not real life. Online is online. And I remember, what do you get for being pastor's kid? My son was younger. He would say, can I get money to buy a skin on Fortnite? A skin is an outfit for your pretend warrior on Fortnite. And I'd be like, and he's asking for real money. I'd be like, you understand this real money like goes to buy an outfit that doesn't exist. Be like, no, it does. I'd be like, no, when you turn it off, it doesn't exist. It's not like they send you a corresponding like big boy outfit to match the one that you buy. But I think that the devil is fooling some of us in a way to think that the battle exists online. I think he's tricking us into thinking, like, wage this war online. And we're like, yeah. And then when you turn your phone off, just like that outfit on Fortnite. And just like nobody knows it's there. God has never asked me about my kill-to-death ratio on Call of Duty Mobile. (laughs) (laughs) But I've spent time on Call of Duty Mobile that I could have spent in his word. Truth. Two days behind on my Bible and year app. But I'm gold level almost on Call of Duty Mobile. (laughs) It's the same when it comes to social media that it pulls you in. I don't walk out in public and they're like, there he is, the conquering warrior. They're like, no, like that dude's like 5'8". Maybe if he stood in a box. Are you as intentional about fighting for the things that God cares about? We've heard the term choose your battles, but maybe we need to hear the term choose God's battles. 
An ambassador is never appointed without a commission. You have been commissioned. You've been given by your God a commission. Notice when Paul says that who he is, he doesn't lean on credentials. The other day, my wife handed me a frame, and in the frame was my degree. And she's like, what do you want to do with it? And I'm like, I don't know. She's like, maybe put it on your wall. I'm like, well, I got my Iron Man first edition like up there. I don't want to take it down for a degree. Come on. And it always bugs me when people would lead with credentials. Maybe that's why the apostle business card bugs me. Because I don't want to hear about it. I want to see it. It's almost like when people would say, I am third generation church of God. And I'm not knocking this or being disrespectful at all. What I'm saying is that God knew your granddaddy. God knew your mama. But right now in this moment, do you know Jesus Christ? Are you walking with him? Because I'm telling you what, I'm not going to get in like it's some kind of timeshare that my mom passed along to me. I'm going to get in because I declared Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and I said I want to live for you. Wow. Paul. <laughs> it's weird because in First and Second Corinthians, you see that people didn't really embrace Paul's calling the way that maybe you thought they would at times. Applause does not determine the appointment. I say that because someone here feels a calling of God and you haven't received the level of applause that you think would go with that calling. You may never feel it. Step into it anyway. Just as Paul was an apostle who didn't go around showing off the credentials that he had, there are going to be things when you walk through this life and people say, what are your credentials? And it'll almost be like when you teach a little kid Sunday school and you say, do you have any prayer requests? And they start pulling up their arms looking for boo-boos. There are going to be times that you can show the world the boo-boos that you have gotten through your walk and they'll know it's real. There are going to be times that the things that you have gone through will serve as the credentials, whether you wanted them to or not. Paul let them know Oh, there were 12 apostles that you may have heard of, and I'm a little bit different than them, but I'm just as called as they were. An ambassador will look out for interest and understand that the storm serves a purpose to push me closer to my Jesus than to draw me away from him. And if you're in the storm right now, you have a choice. There's no stasis in a storm. You're either going to drift closer or you're going to drift farther away. Whoever you are and wherever you're feeling that storm right now, I promise you that you are not alone. Paul goes on in that first verse to say, and Sosthenes, our brother. There are times you just got to know that somebody's got your back, that somebody's there beside you. I'm in church today with Susie, my sister. There are times that Susie needs to come in the door and say, I wonder if I'm going to see Olivia, my sister. There is that unity. So when we decide we're just going to take a week or a month or whatever off, somebody's looking for you. So before my moment of transparency, I'll tell you something. Went into Home Depot the other day to get mulch, to do my spring mulching. Notice how this story goes. So here I am in Home Depot in August to do my spring mulching. And there was 
this lady there. And I felt like God was saying, you got to do something. And so I'm just waiting. I'm like, oh my gosh, please. Like talking donkey, burning bush, something. Like I don't know what to do. I'm about to look like a real creeper, you know, if I walk up to this lady. And so nothing's happening. And I get my bags of mulch, put them on one of those flat things, and I'm going out, and she's in front of me. And I hear her say to the worker there, "Um, do you know the good kind of potting soil? And of course, the worker in the gardening department is like, no. And so being like the arborist, horticulturalist, botanist, whatever I am, I'm not, but I'm like, yeah, we get the stuff in the yellow bag. She's like, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah, hold on a minute. I'm like, you don't need to get dirty. I'm just going to go over. I'll get a bag. I'll throw it on here. We'll walk it over to your car. I'll leave out the part where I'm like, Liam, go grab a bag for it. And he had like gone off to get an energy drink. (laughs) So here I am talking to my invisible friend, you know, and I'm recommending dirt. And as we are heading out to her car, she looks at me and she's like, I'm going to start crying. Now, ladies... A man of any age does not know what to do right away when a woman starts crying. I'm just going to be straight with you on this, right? And so I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what'd I do? (laughs) She turns to me and she says, I lost my husband recently. And he was always the one who did this and picked out the dirt. And she's like, what do you do? I'm like, I work at church. I always say that. I don't know why. It sounds weird. And she's like, what do you do there? I'm like, well, I'm the pastor. (laughs) And I said, I'm so sick of of talking about the good that we should be doing. And sometimes maybe we just need to do the good. And as she got in the car, she says, you have no idea the way that God spoke to me through this. And I get in a Jeep, and I'm like, yeah, I didn't even invite her to our church. Win on my part. But God showed up. And it wasn't about saying, oh, yeah, you know, here, of course I'm a pastor. Here's the thing my wife gave me, you know, my credentials that I don't know where to put up because I don't want to take Iron Man down. Like, I didn't lead with that. But there are times that you will be led by God in ways you don't understand. Paul goes on when he writes this, he says to the church of God, not to the denomination, that would be pretty wild if he did, but he says it to the church of God. It's a word that's thrown around a lot, the ecclesia, and ecclesia had two meanings. One of them was the called out ones, and it's the ones that we use a lot in church, and the other one really referred to an assembly of people together for a specific purpose. That was like the secular way of looking at it. There was just a concert a couple weekends ago over at Lakeland, and I guess that could be considered an ecclesia in a way. I don't want God's house here to have the same feel as an ecclesia that the world has. When we come together, we are called out. We are a community of believers. We are overcomers in Jesus Christ. My transparent moment right here, it came when I was looking at my wife and in a moment of frustration saying, I don't want to be part of a problem of a culture. I don't want to be the kind of pastor that we don't see the type of growth that Jesus Christ is wanting to have in a church body. 
I don't want to be someone who entertains possibly on a Sunday or shares a God truth or two, but yet we don't grow in the ways that God is calling us to grow. And I don't say that knocking us. I say that it is a season where things are about to happen. I don't say that as positive self-talk. I say that right now, because Paul goes on to say, he's talking about God's name, Jesus' name being called out in different places. There are churches right now in this community where chains are falling. There is revival that is starting to spring up in different places. I want our body to be a part of that revival. I want when Jesus Christ comes looking, us to be the ones to say right here, right here, we're ready. And we're ready in a way that it may seem uncomfortable. It may seem scary, but I'm ready to run. Whatever may come before. And when I said that, I wasn't saying it in some frustrated woe is me way. I'm saying almost in the way that that address of saying, I don't want to be in the same place tomorrow that I am today. I don't want this church to be in the same place two weeks from now that we are today. I want the miraculous. A couple of weeks ago, we experienced the miraculous. And you know what? I'm ready for new ones. We can't hang our hat on then. We can celebrate it. But God has so much from darkness into glorious light. This is not a gathering of the broken, of the disgruntled, of the disillusioned. It is about God. Within a couple of feet of you, there is someone who struggled just to get here today. They might not admit it, but their world has been rocked lately. And they wondered, how do I reconcile my faith with what has happened? I'm not usually one of those turn to the person kind of people. But can you turn to the person next to you and say, God's got this? No, say it like you mean it. God's got this, and you're going to make it. He has got this. Chris Miller, he has got this. The things that have been watered in tears, planted before Jesus Christ, he has got this. Going to be closing it up here, because I guess that's what you do. He goes on to talk about sanctification in the saints. <laughs> Sanctified, to be separate from the profane things, to be dedicated to God. There is a new, not really new, variant of belief. See what I did there? You heard it. That says, cuss like the world, drink like the world, smoke up like the world, hate like the world, demean like the world, rebel like the world, put God on the back burner like the world, but claim Jesus. We're called to be saints. Saints don't live like sinners. I don't say that in some kind of, I say that because what are they seeing when they look at us? What is this letter saying to them? Do they see the light? Matthew 5.16. Do they taste the salt? Matthew 5.13. 
Do they witness the love? John 13. We've never been in a time where there's been more accessible knowledge in Christianity. But it feels so dark at times for so many. It says in 1 Corinthians 8, while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. God, awaken our love. Awaken it. Don't let it just be a word, but awaken it. Let your revival fire begin to burn because love is the kindling that we are putting out there. This is not a drill. I'm going to pray in a moment. I'm going to ask that the prayer elders would come forward right now. That challenge to not stay in the same place. Someone needs to take the step. I'll say it in this way, that if you don't know Jesus Christ, I'll be waiting at the end of this aisle if you want to take the steps to come commit your life to Jesus Christ. Greatest decision you can make. But someone needs to take a step from what's become comfortable into the places that God's calling you. doesn't sit well with you because you want to know what happens in the next six steps can't give you that what I know is that the first one is right into his arms and he's got the rest we're going to pray and when we do this is what I would challenge you to ask yourself God who am I Remind me of who you said that I am. Stamp it on my heart. And let this letter be a witness like nothing else. Let's pray. Father, right now in this house, I pray that your love would just saturate. I pray, Lord, that you would remind us through whispers through memories of when you have been there and Lord, even at times through the scars that we see how you have carried us. And Father, I pray that the letter that the world sees would scream of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. If you would stand, please.